0: Welcome back! This week on the Kerygma Ventures Podcast, we head back to the ranch to continue the conversation on transgenderism and the importance of responding with love, compassion, and understanding. We'll explore the concept of true freedom and where it can be found, the role of science in understanding God's order, and how choices within that order can impact human flourishing. Join us as we navigate how the church should respond and further delve into this complex and sensitive topic from a biblical perspective.
1: It bothered me to hear that that position expressed by this uh, this other leader I'm, I'm talking about, where it's like, if you don't stand up and speak out against these things, then you're spineless and you're not, you're not a pillar of truth, would be what he would say. Yeah. On the other side
2: of the coin. And so... Um, well, I can remember back when the abortion thing first became mm-hmm. a big political thing. I'm old enough to go back to when Roe was passed. So, so I had friends who said, if you don't go protest in front of a bill and you don't get arrested for that, yep, you are you're spineless, yep, and you're not a pillar of truth because murder is murder and it's awful. Okay, I agree with their evaluation that murder is murder and it's awful, and I believe abortion is murder, and I hate it. Yeah, I hate everything about it. But uh, for for them to say with that uh, vitriolic uh, attitude of, okay, you've got to do it this way, and you know, we it's okay to burn those places down because after all, they're killing babies. Yeah, that. that's that's a long way from the kingdom of god yeah yeah so so yeah i took some stuff on chain. you don't care like yeah i care but i'd like to work at the at the problem at a little bit deeper level Mm -hmm. that's really great man i
1: i agree i've been thinking about that a lot lately this idea of these really really deeply passionate christians that just seem to be fighting fire with fire or you know flesh with flesh like you said and the The real core issue is being neglected and sidestepped. And it's not, it just doesn't seem to be a representation of the heart of God. Um, and I know of course they, they think the same thing about how you would see it. Yeah. It's like, well, Dudley's, Dudley's just weak and he's not rep, you know, God was a just God and he was a righteous judge or he's a righteous judge. And um, you know, Jesus turned the tables over in the temple and, yeah. You know, so what do you I say know, to
2: that? Well,
1: you know, love is— uh, I know I'm making you defend yourself a little bit here, but <laughs> I just—
2: It's okay. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one thing we have to, have to watch for is letting the other side tell you what love's supposed to be like. Like, no, you're a Christian. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be loving. Yeah. Which, in their mind, often means you're supposed to stand back let me have my way and do whatever I want to and affirm me no matter what I say. Yeah. <clears throat> That's not loving. You know that's uh, that's abandonment. Yep, that's, dropping in the ocean. That's preserving my comfort because I don't want you to be mad with me, or I don't want you to be upset with me, or to cancel me. So I will preserve me. That that is selfishness. Yep. To to love somebody is to say I'll, I'll I'll be willing to suffer in order for you to be helped. Well, if if you are uh, if you're walking down a path that's destructive, uh whether you like it or not I, I I do need to try to to help I can't make you do anything and I can't be mad with you if you don't but I I can do all that I can to stop so therefore if I can if I can do something physically politically policy wise whatever then I should yep. a, as an act of love yep so
1: I like that we you've talked in the past couple of weeks about this idea of um, personal agency and that being kind of a current craving for our culture, for young people, like freedom, freedom and agency means that I get to do whatever feels good to me and what I want and go with the whims of my impulses or whatever. And that's the definition of freedom. And, um, that's not that's not the definition of freedom like uh I don't remember how you've unpacked this, but it's like real freedom is being submitted to one
2: greater than you yeah right
1: well, how do you say that
2: well, one of the things I think we we have a hard time believing is that you're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of righteousness there are two powers you're a slave of of God's spirit are your slave of sin. Mm-hmm. And if you are a slave of sin, you have believed the lie that you are independent of all external forces. I am an I am an agent on my own. The devil doesn't tell me anything. God doesn't tell me anything. Mama don't tell me nothing. And ain't nobody gonna tell me. Okay, so you, you are now totally deceived because you're actually under the control of one who has told you that if you lead to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you won't need God. Yeah. And, and so you're under the control of sin. And it doesn't matter what you... And so that spirit will say to you, yeah, do what you want to. You're free. Do what you want to. But there are consequences to every choice and uh you'll experience it. Yeah. So that's not freedom at all. It's a it's a trap. So you come to God and you submit to God and you say I, I, I yield to, to to you then what he does is he creates in you he puts himself in you and then he begins to transform you so that you are living the very life of Christ who lived the freest life that has ever been on the earth. He was free from the opinions of people. He was free from fear. He didn't fear death. He didn't he didn't he didn't fear hell. He didn't fear the Pharisees. He didn't fear Herod. He didn't fear anything. He walked in absolute freedom. And that's what we have in Christ Jesus. And that's true freedom. You say, well I don't want to be a I don't want to be a servant to God. As you're a servant to God, you're finally free to be a human. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. Yeah, that's good.
1: So, we were talking about um, if it's useful or appropriate for pastors to be really outspoken about, let's say, the transgender issue or homosexuality. Um, and and you've made the point that it's it is also in, so. Why why you wouldn't necessarily agree that pastors need to be you know, violently and outspokenly opposed, focused solely on that issue in the way that maybe some are, you would still say that they need to equip their congregations um, to know how to deal with these yeah, questions. absolutely. Which I think that's where I'm getting at in sending my kid to public school. I feel ill-equipped to know, what questions should I be asking or, or what sh- should I have these concerns? What concerns should I have? How do I engage that with my kid or their teacher or the principal? Um, I feel ill-equipped to enter into those,
2: yeah, congreg- those conversations. Well, I think for for all of us, but let's go to the pastors' thing. In an in an era where your success is measured by how many people come to church, how many people involved in the programs, how much money we have size of the buildings, yes. all that kind of... Yes, th- that That does measure church, just like it measures corporations, which we should have expected once we went to the corporate model. Right. Okay, but the biblical uh, standard is pastors, leaders, are to equip the people for the work of the ministry, equip the saints. So wouldn't it be great if you had a church, let's say, of 200, 300, 400, whatever, but they actually were able to think through the transgender issue, were able to think through the homosexual issue, the LGBTQ plus deal. They were able to actually think through the uh, immigration issue, uh, the racial issue. They were actually able to go to the scripture and say, this is what the gospel says and the implications of the gospel and therefore, here is what I do in my school board, and here's what I do on my city council, and here's what I do in my uh, community association. Yep. So, so if Patchers were to do that, then these people that are out there, some of them are called to be in politics, some of them are called to be in science, some of them are called to be in education they could be out there actually making a difference, not just fighting back against an agenda. Yep. So so you'd be being salt and light in the whole situation. So, so here's what Paul says to Timothy. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, in order that the man of God, the person of God, may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, I wish pastors would believe that. It's like my job is to teach you how to read the scriptures, hear the living Word of God in that scripture, be transformed by it, so that you are equipped to do what you're supposed to do and deal with every crisis be, or yeah, exactly. big
1: hot button thing.
2: But what's scary is to listen to Christians being interviewed and different things, and to and to hear the inability to make an argument. Yeah. They can't even make an argument right. against abortion or yeah. transgenderism or whatever. Uh, they're just mad. Yeah, it's like these people are pushing this on us. We're the victims, and and and, and we need to we need to push back. Mm-hmm. Well, push back with truth. Mm-hmm. Push back with truth and love. So, you know, my plea would be for pastors: Hey, be a pastor. Yeah, train your sheep. Train them to think. You say, well. They won't come on Sunday if, I, if I'm talking about things like that. Uh, well, meet them Monday night. Meet them too. I, I don't know all the d- deal. I just know as long as we just give a, a nice little seeker-friendly message on Sunday and entertain people with good music and whatever, and we don't train them to apply themselves to life,
1: they're going to be beat up. Okay, so— um, give me an example. You got 60 seconds. Give me an example of a Christian's perspective on, on the transgender issue that is laden with truth and love. Like if, if you had a congregation of 100 people, you're their pastor. You You would hope that when asked about the transgender issue, your congregation could give a synopsis of their position that would look like this in 60 seconds.
2: Yeah, I'd say, well, we have a book that God's left left to us called the Scriptures. And in it, he has revealed his order, his way, his word. And when we come to him and we submit to him, we are saying, you are the final authority in my life. So if I read the scriptures and I even go to the beginning, just the first, I don't even have to get very far. I just read the first few chapters, I discover that the God who out of love created all things. He didn't have to, he wanted to. He wanted to create us so he could enjoy us and we could enjoy him. So he created us and it says that he created us male and female created he them. And he reemphasizes that over and over again. Therefore, God has already settled the issue of how many genders there are. And it doesn't matter how I feel or what I think or what somebody else says or, you know, what, what the popular opinion is. I have an authority, and I've chosen to yield that authority. Mm-hmm. If I choose not to yield that authority, I'm yielding to an authority that has no definition. Okay.
1: So, yeah, so that would be the second part of my question is, if you're engaged in a conversation with someone who doesn't accept God's written word as final and authoritative, then you're really kind of pissing into the wind in the argument or in the conversation.
2: Yeah. Then we like, How do you
1: engage that conversation in love with the other person? Cause you don't want to be beating them over the head with the Bible and saying, yeah. well, until you, until you believe God's word, then you're just like, there's got to be a loving yet
2: truthful reply to that. Okay, because we are Christians and because of what I just said, we believe that God created with order and that that order still exists and you can fight against it or whatever, but it's, it's still order. And you can, you can learn some of the ways of God just by looking at the order that he has created. Therefore, we are able to go to science it's not the final word, but it is an observation on what order looks like and when certain choices are made what consequences happen. Yep. And we can, we can look and see, does this cause humanity to flourish? Does this cause people to be free? Does this create contentment, satisfaction, joy in yeah. people's lives, or does it produce something else? So I can, I can look at created order and see the consequences of choices. And I don't have to quote a scripture because God has written his scripture in creation. Yeah. He's written his order in creation. So I can argue from that point of view. Yep. Now, if you're going to take some weird scientific stuff that has no, no proof to it and no history to it, like the, the latest thing is, you know, so and so and so It's like, you know, I can't deal with that. Uh, uh, I say, I can't deal with that. Th- there's no answer to that. Uh, but hang around for about 50 years and see. Yeah. Okay. Because it's going to fall apart. Okay. Guaranteed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So what's, aside from the conversation about whether transgenderism is right or legitimate, What's what would you hope your congregation, again, you're a pastor, 100 people maybe, what would you hope? How would you hope to have equipped your congregation to engage with someone who maybe is transgender, or who believes strongly that it's a right and okay way to live? How you're you're equipping them, yeah, and you're you're discipling them. How would you hope they
2: respond and engage to someone who is transgender? I would hope if they had a neighbor, friend, whatever, uh, family member, whatever, that's going through that kind of confusion. That they would be able to sit down and to say, look, there is a God and he, uh, he loves. He's a good God and he has an order. And if you submit to him, you are, you are going to find that order and you're going to live in that order. Now, if you, if you make him the final authority in your life, then he will clear up a lot of these things that you are confused about. So. He will clear up some of the feelings of your confusion, of your gender or whatever. But the bottom line is you have a choice to either yield to God's definition of reality, to genders, or you choose not to. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to, then He will Himself come to you and help you walk through all of your confusion.
1: Yeah, It's good. I appreciate that being the kind of the culminating message and not not one of condemnation or punitive.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Kerygma Ventures podcast. We'd love for you to join us next week as we continue to bring you conversations and messages that challenge you to live a life of grace and freedom, developing a thriving relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you share it with someone in your life who you know would be encouraged to hear it? Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.